You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly. My name is Heather. Thanks for being here with me this week. This week's lesson is entitled Good Tidings of Great Joy. Well, I made it back from Las Vegas. I had fun. I left 60 degree weather and came back to freezing, snowy, cold weather. So that was depressing, but it's good to be back home. It's fun that it's Christmas time. I have two kids moving home from college this week, so that's going to be a little crazy, but it'll be fun. This is the first time in four years that our whole family has been together. So I'm really excited about that. It should be a good time. I wanted to start out by reading the italicized paragraph at the very top of the lesson where it says, For some, Christmas can be a hectic time. Consider how your study of the New Testament can help bring a spirit of peace and sacredness into your life. Ponder the influence of the Savior's birth and mission in your life and record any spiritual impressions that come. Now we all know, especially if you're a mom, that sometimes at Christmas we can get overwhelmed with the worldly aspect of it. I'm a mom and I have five kids, so I totally get that. But just like with everything in life, I think it's a balance. And I think it's important to take a minute every once in a while and ask ourselves how we're doing and why we're doing the things that we're doing. As I was thinking about this, I remembered one year, our family always has cinnamon rolls for Christmas breakfast. It's just a thing that we do. It's our tradition. My kids love it and they look forward to it every year. Well, I remember one year I was determined to make homemade cinnamon rolls. But my health was not super great and I was really struggling. So here I am Christmas Eve trying to get some cinnamon rolls made and I was in a grouchy mood because I wasn't feeling well and I was really tired. So were the homemade cinnamon rolls really worth it? Why didn't I just buy some dang cinnamon rolls? It wasn't going to kill anyone to have some store-bought cinnamon rolls. My kids love store-bought food anyway because I like to cook and I like to bake and when they eat store-bought things they feel like they're getting away with something. So yeah, we had homemade cinnamon rolls, but we also had a grouchy mom on Christmas Eve. To me, that is not worth it. So don't be afraid to say no to things. It really will be okay. And I was telling this story to my son. He's 21 years old. And of course, for me, this incident was like it happened yesterday. And I felt guilty about it every day since. But I told him about it and he doesn't even remember it. He's like, I don't remember that. And we got talking about Christmas and what he does remember. And he said, you know, mom, I really don't remember all of the gifts that I've been given over the years, but I do remember the things that we've done. I guess one year my husband and our boys had a Nerf war in the basement and he just thought that was the coolest thing. And he said, I'll probably never forget that because that was so neat. Or things like going to see the lights on Christmas Eve or just the little traditions that we do. And what I got out of our conversation is that spending time is a lot more meaningful than spending money. And also, if you're a mom and you have a bad day, it's not going to ruin your kids' lives, so don't beat yourself up about it. It really will be okay. (laughs) The opening paragraph of the lesson says, Why does the birth of a baby bring such great joy? Perhaps because a new baby can be a symbol of hope. There's something about a brand new life full of possibilities that invites us to ponder what life might hold for that child and what wonderful things he or she will accomplish. Never has this been truer than at the birth of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Never has there been more hope placed in a child, and never has there been one born with so much promise. When an angel invited shepherds to seek a newborn child in a manger, he also gave them a message about that child. It was a message of hope that this baby had come to earth to fulfill a sacred mission. The shepherds made their message known abroad, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
perhaps it would be good to follow Mary's example this Christmas. Go ponder in your heart the things you have learned about the Savior this year. How did he fulfill his mission of redemption in the accounts you have read? And more important, how has his mission changed your life? So this lesson is kind of a choose-your-own-adventure lesson, and maybe it's a lesson to think over this past year and what we've learned and gained from studying our Come Follow Me lessons this year. I love in this paragraph where it says that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Last week in Revelations chapter 1, verse 3, we read from John where he said, Blessed are they who read and those who hear and understand the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time of the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And I love the concept of keeping the things that we read and learn. If we keep something, it means that it stays with us. So have we kept any of the things that we've learned this year? For me, studying these lessons each week has changed me and it's changed my life. So this week I wanted to share a little bit of the things that I have kept over this year. The first section of this lesson shares a quote by Craig C. Christensen from the First Presidency Christmas Devotional in 2016, and he says, Christmas is not only a celebration of how Jesus came into the world, but also of knowing who he is, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and of why he came. This year, one of the best things I've gained is a stronger relationship with my Savior. And I've been able to do that by reading about his life and studying it and considering who he is to me and who he is in my life. And the best way that I've been able to do that is by learning about the people that the Savior interacted with. And as I've studied about and thought about the other people in the New Testament, it's really helped me to get to know my Savior even more. And so I wanted to talk about a few of those people whose example that I've tried to keep with me this year. The first one that really stood out to me and a person whose example that I've tried to keep is Zacchaeus. And we talked about Zacchaeus back in May and his story is found in Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus was the chief publican or the chief of the tax collectors. So as you can imagine, he was probably not very popular in some circles, but he did have a lot of money and a lot of influence and it straight up says that he was rich. Another thing that was interesting to me about Zacchaeus is that it says he was little of stature. So I imagine with the position that he was in with his job and some people who might have been jealous of his social status and his wealth, I could imagine that people probably made fun of him behind his back a little bit. And I would think that maybe his image was really important to him so that people would take him seriously and something that he had to try a little harder to keep up than most people. And it says, too, that people had accused him of being dishonest. And it seemed like maybe people were just trying to stir up contention about him. Well, one day Jesus came into the city of Jericho where Zacchaeus was. And everyone there was jammed along the side of the road wanting to see Jesus when he came through. And since Zacchaeus was short, he couldn't see over everyone. And so in his excitement to see the Savior, he ran and climbed up into a tree. So here is this man, very wealthy. I'm sure he was wearing very nice clothing, trying to keep up his image so that he could be taken seriously. But in that moment, what did he care about most? It wasn't what the world thought, and it wasn't his image. It wasn't his doubts and his fears about what people would think of him. The most important thing to him in that moment was to see the Savior. And I am sure that Satan was whispering right in his ear, saying things like, oh my gosh, don't get up in that tree. What will people think of you? 
but he didn't care because he had his eye on what was most important. And of course, Jesus saw him and asked him to come down and take him to his house. And it says that Jesus received him joyfully. He knew Zacchaeus and he knew his heart. Zacchaeus was trying to make things right in his life and in his heart, he was a good person trying to do good things. I love Zacchaeus' example of not being afraid of the world and of not being afraid to do what he was prompted to do. And he was blessed for it. And it also taught me that as long as we're trying to do what's right, it really doesn't matter what other people think. Because just like Zacchaeus, the Savior knows our heart and he will receive us joyfully. And that's all that really matters. The next person that taught me a lot about the Savior this year was the woman who was taken in adultery. And this story is found in John chapter 8, and we talked about this one back at the end of April. There was a woman that was brought to Jesus one morning by the scribes and Pharisees, and they said that she was taken in adultery and caught in the very act, so there was no question in their minds about what had been going on. And they told Jesus that according to the law, this woman should be stoned, and they wanted to know what Jesus thought about it. Basically, they were trying to trap him in some way. So what did Jesus do? I absolutely love this story. It says that he stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now, it doesn't really say much in the story about this woman, but as you think about her, just imagine how she must have been feeling. I'm sure she was upset and humiliated and scared to death. And we don't know her situation. How did she come to be taken in adultery? Did someone set up this situation so that they could bring her to Jesus? Or what were her life circumstances that led her to be in that situation to begin with? And I like to think that while Jesus was stooping down and ignoring her accusers, that he was considering this woman and who she was and what was in her heart. And in John chapter 8, verse 7, it says, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And that statement pricked the conscience of every person there, and one by one, they all left. And in the end, it was just Jesus and this woman standing alone. And again, what did he do? Did he give her a lecture about making good life choices? Did he take a step away from her so that he wouldn't be standing too close to someone who was quote unquote so unclean? Absolutely not. He was kind and compassionate, and he told her to go and sin no more. And in the Joseph Smith translation of those scriptures, it says that she glorified God from that hour and believed on his name. Jesus knows our heart. He knows who we really are and what we are capable of. And it's so easy for us to judge what we see in other people. But we have to be so careful with that because most of the time, what you see on the outside is a very small and inaccurate snapshot of what's really going on in a person's life. Every person struggles because this life is hard and we need to show kindness and compassion wherever we can. I just love that story. The next person whose example I have tried to keep this year is Paul. When we were finished talking about the Savior's life, and when we got to Paul in the New Testament, I was pretty disappointed. When we got to the writings of Paul, I was like, who are you and what are you talking about? But by the end of his writings, I was so sad to leave him. Paul was an amazing person and a great example of someone who was all in in following and serving our Savior. Paul went through so many trials because of what he believed. He lost his social status, his wealth his friends. He was put in prison many times. He was stoned, beaten, almost drowned. 
he was put through all kinds of suffering and ridicule. And no matter what happened to him, he just kept on going and doing what he knew he needed to do. And he is such a good example to me of living what you believe no matter what. And it says in Acts that when he saw the Savior on the road to Damascus, he first asked, who are you? And then he asked, what would you have me do? And then he spent the rest of his life going and doing it. He went from persecuting Christians to giving up everything he had and even giving up his own life to be one. Paul is a great example to me of obedience and faith and of doing what is right no matter what, and also of the ability for people to change. And his story also teaches me that we need to let people change and to not hold on to grudges or to hold on to the way things used to be if a person is really trying to make a change and do better. We need to be supportive of that and remember that with the help of our Savior, anything is possible. So this Christmas season, I hope that we can all take a minute amid all the parties and cookies and presents and remember that Jesus is the reason. He's the reason for this Christmas season, and he's the reason that we are able to live on this earth and experience all that comes with that, the bad and the good. Our Savior is the source of all good, and the closer we get to him, the happier our lives will be. And hopefully, each one of us can keep some of the things that we've learned about him this year. I want to thank you all for taking a few minutes to listen to my thoughts this week. I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas and that you get to spend some time with the people that you love. These lessons have blessed my life so much this year, and I'm really grateful that I've been able to find a way to share what I've learned. Don't forget that you can find me on Instagram at Come Follow Me Weekly, or send me an email at cfmweekly at gmail.com.